Thank you for taking the time to join us. In today's podcast, we're learning parenting principles from Pastor Dennis Murphy from Hope Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this episode and it gives you inspiration for your family growth. Here's Dennis. Um, we're going to go into a, 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 a series the rest of this month uh, looking at Scripture and trying to understand how, uh, how Scripture can help us as a parent. Um, and I want to talk about this, even just that title for just a second of parenting is heart work. I mean, what, you know, what does that really mean? It's kind of, we need to kind of establish that in our, in our, in our hearts and our souls to, to get, uh, get a deeper understanding of what God can provide for us as parents. And so without any delay, let's go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12 together. Look at Matthew chapter 12 with me, and we get to see what, uh, why, why heart work is a, is a key aspect of parenting. So on Matthew chapter 12, on page uh, uh, 743 of our Bibles underneath our chairs, we see the scene where Jesus is teaching his followers, and he's going around doing miracles, and, and uh, um, the established Jewish um, hierarchy is getting a little threatened by Jesus. They realize that they're kind of losing their power base, and we see this particular scene where Jesus does this healing, and there's a reaction by the Pharisees, uh, the established religious leaders. And, and so look at verse 22 with me. And we'll just pick the story up from the beginning. It says, Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. Jesus healed the man so that he could both speak and see. Well, the crowd was amazed and asked, Could that be Jesus, is the son of David, the Messiah? And, but when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. And so we can see here just in this little context, you know, Jesus is doing miracles and, 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 and people are starting to wonder, is, is this the Messiah? Is this the promised one by God who's going to lead us out, in, into our, uh, out of, our, of the persecution that we've got going on with Rome? And the Pharisees, they're, they're kind of in with Rome. They've got their power base with Rome. Things are good to them. They've got all, you know, their, their, whole, their whole livelihood, their whole security of what they want is, is, is established with that. And so this Jesus can be a threat to that. And so the, the, in their hearts they go, well, he's just, you know, part of Satan, part of the demon. And, and then just kind of um, reading through then, it says in verse 25, Jesus then knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. So Jesus just teaches this, this, this challenge right off the bat and just rebukes it by saying, no, if I was from Satan, then why would Satan cast out Satan? They just cast them out. I mean, uh, uh, Satan wouldn't do that. So he immediately disqualifies the, the, the Pharisees' challenge in, in this particular setting. But I want to just fast forward to a little bit. And he goes on and kind of teaches more in detail about that. And uh, um, look at verse uh, 33 with me. He says, A tree is identified by its fruit. Again, the context of how can you know whether it's me, he kind of, Jesus uses this little twist here. He goes, a tree can be identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Now, immediately, this sounds like some kind of defense that Jesus is making. In other words, if I was good, you would be able to tell that by what my fruit is. But we see that there's a twist here. 
Verse 34, you brood of snakes. He's actually throwing this on the Pharisees who challenged him. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? He's calling them evil. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Great fulfillment of, of, of Scripture that no word spoken against you will escape judgment in your courts. But the, the key here for us in terms of this parenting, is heart work, is this verse 35 principle. A good person produces good things from the treasury of what? A good heart. A good heart. And an evil, produce, an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And so when we look at Jesus and how he related to the Pharisees, it, it's really honestly very sim- similar, and it might be a little too close to home for some of us parents in dealing with our own children. And that our children have evil hearts, we have evil hearts, and our children have good hearts, and we have good in our hearts. And what's there is the source, the treasury that produces the behavior. It produces the outcomes of of their path, of what they say, of what they speak. And so just like Jesus had to scold his Pharisees, we as parents have to identify our children's heart as well to be able to be good parents. Now this this issue of parenting is heart work, this comes from a couple of authors that we make no bones about in, in, in giving praise to, uh, Dr. Scott Jer- uh, Taransky and Joanne Miller. And they wrote this book, Parenting is Heartwork, and they have several other books and, and, and key books that we learned about last week in our seminar time. And um, we want to just encourage you as a church to, to engage in it. Um, you can buy a CD set of these principles that we're going to teach here over the next couple of weeks. You can um, also, you can join with uh, David and Leda Brockman. David, if you don't mind standing so people can see you. They are having a parenting support group meeting on Saturdays. Thank you, David. Give them a round of applause. Thank you for stepping forward with that. Um, and so there's, there's what I'm going to go into the next several weeks and what you may alert in the seminar is honestly just scratching the surface and there's a deeper part of this. But it's really important for us as a, to understand this key concept of the heart is the source of the behavior. Because most parenting, and even the, 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 the tools that we've used as a church in parenting before, have dealt with pretty much behavior modification. Now, behavior modification is good, and parenting is hard work does incorporate that, but parenting is hard work goes deeper into, into the heart because behavior modification is basically this. It's basically telling a child, look, if you do your homework, then you can go and play at your friend's house. It's basically saying to somebody, if you don't clean up your room, then you cannot have a reward. And so it's this system of consequence, which is appropriate, but, it's, but you can have a child actually clean up their room with a bad attitude. Amen, mom and dad? And, and what good is that done? Because what, what takes place in, in behavior modification, basically, is you're just sort of, 
you're sort of, you know, trading in exchange, and, and you can actually work against us as parents because we set up this system with behavior modification that goes in trading back and forth. So eventually, if you want your child to take out the garbage later on in life, you got to buy an iPod and a car. Because in behavior modification of that exchange is one of saying to, it basically tells a child, in order to, you know, you can get what you want, but you just have to do what I say. And what we want to have happen is we want maturity in Christ so that children are making choices out of the heart of their own self and their own desires that goes towards good things. Amen? Amen. Easier said than done. And I can tell you right now, I'm just an expert at ages eight and above because I have eight-year-olds and, and below. And I, I know I don't know anything about that age, but I know everything about teenagers because I don't have them yet. So, uh, so just bear with me about that. But as we go through this, I just want us to really grasp that concept of this is a little bit different. It's a little harder. It takes more time to do but it is very, very rewarding because we are going to be dealing with the heart. We are going to be dealing with the heart of, of things, of, of the matter. And now, having said that, and we deal with the heart, the first place that we probably need to look at as a parent is actually our own heart. And that's kind of the first step in this parenting is heart work, is actually look at our own heart itself. Because as a parent, um, we really have a sacrifice problem. I don't know about you, but I do. And that sacrifice problem, you know, you know when you're single, remember when you were single and you didn't have kids and, you know, you wanted kids because you wanted a family and, and, and sometimes you maybe not have wanted kids and got them anyway and, you know, just because of, you know, what happens. And, but anyway, remember those, remember those times when it, you, you were told by somebody else, I, I remember very vividly my friend David Devlin gave me this message when my, Donna was pregnant with our first child and he said, the thing that you'll never get over about parenting is constancy. And he was right. It is, it's just constant. And, and, and you know, it's, it's incredible because even in marriage, in those you know, younger years, sometimes it didn't seem like the marriage was constant because you'd go off and kind of do your own thing for a while and you come back to your partnership and you know, have to you know, renegotiate or reconnect, but you get back together. But with parenting... It, I guess I couldn't, I didn't grasp constancy until Michaela was born. And it is constant. And the hard part about that in our own hearts is that, you know, life gets frantic and we get busy and, and we've got our own stuff to do. We've got, you know, work to get through. We've got to fix our houses up on the weekends or, or after, uh, after work or we do our commute. And then we've got to, you know, haul our kids around to soccer or to ballet school or to or, or to whatever activity that might be, and then there's homework, and then we got to get dinner going, we got to clean the house, and we got laundry, and I don't have to give you the long list and make you all stressed out, but it is to say that those things go on, and then we get interrupted in the middle of that with them fighting, and, and, and it breaks our agenda up. It breaks up what we want to do as a parent. We, we're, we're trying to honestly just control the whole thing and, and keep it moving forward and keep it acting together. But it gets broken up by these little creatures with these sinful hearts that come from Satan that you wonder, you know, what, what demon possessed you today? And, and, and so what happens to us in a, as a parent is it, during those moments, those are critical moments for us 
to be able to connect to a child's heart. Turn to the book of Malachi. Turn to the book of Malachi. This is in the Bible uh, right before the, the New Testament. This is the last, sort of the last word of, of, the, of the nation of Israel as they, exp- as they were waiting for the Messiah to come. And so this is in the Old Testament, and it's the last word in chapter 4. This is page 730, page 730. But look at this word in, in, in chapter 4 and in, in verse 5. Just read this last paragraph. It says, Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. In other words, I'm giving you a promise. You're going to get this prophet that comes before Jesus comes. And now look at the scene during that time. It says, His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. So in other words, when Jesus is coming, it's going to be this season when we as parents look at our children and try to connect with them. We turn our hearts to them and try to understand their heart, not just deal with the behavior modification, not just deal with the fact that you're not getting along sharing, can you, can you share your toys, but talk about the heart of what's going on with your inability to share right now. So the first thing we do is that we do need to change our heart. And then the second thing that is a step for us in parenting, being heart work, is that we do need to expect to correct. We need to expect to correct. Say that with me. Expect to correct. Now, that's something, again, that blows our expectations because we got our agenda and we don't want to be interrupted. And so sometimes it's just easier to snap, easier to get angry, easier to ignore it, easier to just give them what they want, which makes it worse for us later on. But we need to expect to do this. This is hard work. Correction it goes with the task. Look at the, uh, Paul's letter to the church of Colossae. Look at, first, look at Colossians chapter 1, the first chapter of Colossians, chapter 1, on page 902 with me. In our Bibles, 902. Look at Colossians chapter 1. And look at, um, look at verse 28. This is Paul telling the church what his purpose is in, in discipleship, what his purpose is in, in raising people up. And this applies to us as parents. Matter of fact, this, this verse happens to be our theology of our children's ministry. Our, our mission is to help parents to teach their children how to love God, how to love people, and how to serve the world. And this is our key theology here. It says, so we tell others about Christ warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that God has given us. We want to present him, present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So see, here it's, it's work, but there's this key word, and you might have a different translation that has a, a, the word admonish in it, Anybody got the word admonish in their thing, in their book? Yeah, in their Bible? That word admonish is, is a key word for us in, in understanding this aspect of needing to correct. The word admonish is this Greek word that's really cool. It's new. I'm going to run out of space here. It's two words. Now, new is where we get gnosis, where we get knowledge, 
And new means mind, the brain, the thinking. And this theteo is God. So sometimes we think of admonishment as scolding, as just being harsh, as just getting down on somebody and being controlled and, and, and pressing them down. But admonishment is giving them God, adding to their mind, giving God to their mind. And that, that, that applies to us as a, as a body of believers, just to admonish one another, to encourage one another. It's more of a, a, more of a positive thing than it is a, a negative thing. Like, you know, you, brother, I need to admonish you for, you know, what I saw you do on the baseball field with those boys, you know, as you were coaching them on Saturday. You know, it's like, I wasn't there. I'm just, I know Jim, I know Jim coaches boys. And anyway, He's a great coach, by the way. I've coached with him. He, um, but it is to say that admonishment is to give, give a God mind. Give a God mind to our kids. And that's what correction is. That's what correction is. Now, there, there's two steps that, um, that, that can take place for us in correction that I want to go through, two key steps. And the first step of correction is really just words. Is just words. And I know that may seem like a duh, but I, I'll confess to you as a parent that I'll sometimes forget to do words. I'll go right to consequence. I'll go right to consequence. Um, you know, my, my children will, you know, they're in that eight toddler kind of age group, you know. But I know this applies as well to teens. But, my, you know, my, my children will be in something that's just, you know, honestly kind of ticking me off. And, and they're just, you know, learning to relate with intense fellowship. And, um, and I could probably let it go, but it's really bothering me and, and my noise and my peace. And so I'll just, you know, kind of just immediately, all right, stop playing with what you're doing. Everybody go up to your room. And, and I just went to a consequence without necessarily going into some correction, to going into to languaging with them, just using words. I mean, and that's how God works with us, and that's how we need to work with our parents. Second Timothy, all, all Scripture is God-inspired and useful for correction, for teaching, for rebuking. And, and God uses His Word to instruct us first. And so sometimes we just need to be able to engage with our kids in a correcting conversation. Now, now correction is, is not threatening them. That's, that's a big difference. Threatening is something to the effect of, you know, if you're not at the horse when at pickup time, you know, after the game, then you're never going to go to a game again. That's a threat. That's a threat. And it has a consequence to it, but there's too much emotion tied to it as opposed to a, a, a correction, which would be, you know, if you're, not, if you're not at the game, you know, I want to talk to you about how that, how that treats us as a family and, and respecting us. Um, and if you're not there at the, at the right time because I've got to do other things, it's going to jeopardize just the efficiency of us as a family and, and my being able to pick up other people. And you may not be able to go later on because of that if you don't respect us for that. So there's a correction there. It just basically doesn't have the emotion tied to it. And so we need to go to words first. We just need to go to words first. And then there's a second tool that um, this is, I think, to me, the selling point of of, of of Scott Taransky and, and Joanne Miller's uh, uh, principles, there's a, there's a second tool that they recommend, and that is called a break. 
a break. Now, you heard a little bit about break at the seminar, and you heard um, David talk about break, but here's, here's a break and, and, and what it is. A, a break sounds a lot like a timeout, and in, and in many ways it is, but, it's, it, but it goes beyond that. Here's, here's what a timeout is. I mean, you, and, and timeouts work for teens or, or work for toddlers. It doesn't matter. A, a timeout is basically a sentence. And, and we give sentences. We write up someone for a ticket and we toss them in jail. And then we put them in that prison. And then the sentence is over and then we release them. And, and somehow in that sentence, while they're in jail, we sort of, I'm being extreme here, but while they're in that prison of, of their sentence of the timeout, we expect that they're going to somehow get it, that what they did was wrong, and that they're going to have to change their behavior. And it's, again, it's, it's really just, you know, it's, it's kind of a behavior modification consequence thing. And it, it falls short in its ability to actually have the child have some responsibility for identifying what's in their heart and why did I do this, why did I make that choice, and, and, and what can, what, what's a better outcome. And so what the authors come up with is this, I, this concept of break. And can you guys see this over here in the, in the corner? Here, here's, here's three distinction of what the break is. And, and let me just chart it out for you. First is there's the, you know, there, there's the wrong behavior itself, and, and that occurs. And so what you do is you, you put the child into a break. And if you can think of, you know, here, here's the wrong that they did, and then here's, here's the break point. You just... You put them to a break. But here's the, here's the first distinction. The first distinction, and you should write this down. I, I didn't get time to put this in the PowerPoint. The first distinction of a break is the child is going on a mission. See, the responsibility of a break is the child's. Because in a break, they're there until they figure it out. And, they're, and, the, the, and the, until they figure out what they did wrong and what the alternative is. Now, granted, with toddlers and young kids, you have to coach them through that because they really don't know what they did wrong. You have to tell them that in the early stages. That's where we're at with ages 8 and 5 and 2. Um, but later on, you know, they should be able to you know, have some communication and understanding of that. But, so the first point, distinction of a break is you're sending the child on a mission. They go away with a responsibility to figure out what was wrong. And then they're going to go through basically a repentance process. Now, they may take the repentance up to the place of emotion, but we can't control the emotion. We can't expect them to feel sorry. We can't expect them to, to um, feel, feel and have a desire to do something better. We just want them to be able to understand it and to acknowledge it. So in the break is basically just a chill-out time. At first, a lot of times it's just their emotion. They might be having a tantrum. They might be angry. They might be upset. But it's just, uh, just a place to go that's not a fun place, not their room, um, where, you know, it's like Disneyland, as they say. You know, we got Game Boys and, and computers and everything else. But a place that's boring where they can go and just kind of figure it out. And, and you know who in the Bible is a, is a great example of taking a break? Jonah. Jonah. He went to a really boring place, smelt, kind of stinky, had nowhere else, to, nothing else to do but kind of look at, a, look at the belly of a, of a fish and, and figure it out. And it wasn't until he got repentant did he, the break 
was a break over. And that's the point of the break, is, that, is you take the break, and then there's the return. Now, in the return, in the return is the, the story of the prodigal son. We welcome them back. All right, thank you for coming back. What did you learn? What, what, what was going on in your heart? And again, not just so much the behavior, but the heart. What was going on in your heart? Well, I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm angry at my girlfriend. And she diced me, and um, I'm really just kind of ticked off. And I'm, I'm taking that out on other people. Okay, thanks for acknowledging that. What do you think a better way of going about things is? Well, not to take that out on other people. Okay. How do you think a, a better way of expressing what you took out on your brother would be? Well, I should have just said, hey, I don't want to uh, play with you, and I need some time alone. Okay. Now, here's the third part. Here's the third distinction. There's, once you got that, is then is the return, is then is practice. The third distinction, here it's the mission. This is the distinctions. First is the mission. And then there's the return. And then practice. Then you go and have them practice that behavior. You have them return, go back. So here's, here's the thing about a break, though, and this is probably more important for, um, for teen years as I, as I read through the, the coaching and advice, is that life stops for that person until the return. In other words, it's not cool that your kids yell at you and abuse you and disrespect you one moment and then come back and ask for 50 bucks to go out and go to the shopping in the mall the next moment. That's not cool. You're, you're accepting abuse. You're, you're, you're taking that on. It, there needs to be this, in essence, this break point, this Jonah experience for them to go and figure out what's going on wrong and how to release that and go forward. And so th- let me give you some tips about this particular break thing that, that are, I think, just, again, just really useful. The first tip is that you need to explain this. No matter what age, you, you really do need to explain it to your kids. Don't just go home and throw it at them. They'll be like, you know, what are you doing? It'll go quicker if they understand what you're, what, what you're going through, and, and you can talk about this concept. And you can actually role play it with them too. The second tip is it does work for teens as well. This isn't just a toddler thing. It works for teens. Um, the fourth tip is that, you know, you want to develop this as a routine. And I, I do want to encourage you. Um, I saw this, um, and we, my wife and I started to pick up on this uh, several months ago. I think that was November, or October, somewhere in there that we went to this seminar and we picked up on this and we started to adopt it. And uh, now that we've kind of done it as a church, I've noticed how sloppy we are with it. So you want to revisit um, th- this technique. Um, then. Uh, besides as a routine, the, um, um, the, the fifth thing is it gives you a break as a parent. Let's you calm down. It's a big benefit, really, is what, you know, as they go on a, on a break, then you can call down, check in your own heart, and make sure you're in a good spot with trying to coach and encourage. And then next is uh, it's a gift to them. It really is. This is really a, a truly a gift to them because, you know, if we don't deal with what's going on in our heart, as human beings, it just piles up and piles up and piles up, and we end up throwing sin out there left and right upon people. And you don't have to be a parent to, to, to walk away from something today. If nothing else, learn the lesson of a break for yourself and your own heart 
when, when you're going through things and the world's dumping garbage on you, you might want to just take a break and, and, and get that time of reflection and, and quiet time and, and figure things out. And, and so this is, a, this, is a real, this is a real gift. It helps, it helps guide them as, as, to be mature. It helps guide them to, to notice that, you know, when life does get wacky, um, I can take responsibility and I can cool off and I can think things through and then I can move forward. And we need that kind of activity as a human being, as a follower of Christ, to allow God to speak to us, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in, into our next steps so that we don't just go about life in a, in a frantic fashion. Um, and the next thing is that uh, this is an adult skill itself, and it, it does help them, uh, help them mature. Once again, thank you for joining us. If you would like more information about the tools mentioned in this podcast, you can find it at biblicalparenting.org.